What's up, everyone? Ryan Kramer with Crossover Commerce. Thanks for joining us for another live episode of this beautiful podcast that in my corner of the internet, I like to bring the best and brightest experts in the Amazon and e-commerce space. Uh, that being said, today's episode, as always, is presented by Ping Pong Payments. No, we're not a table tennis company. We are a cross-border payment solution, helping you save more time, money, and effort when it comes to selling your brand online. That could be in the Amazon Marketplace. It could be multiple marketplaces like Rakuten, uh, Wish. You could be selling and see discount. All these different things worldwide and marketplaces worldwide. As your brand grows, make Ping Pong a growth partner with you. It's free to sign up. Go ahead and check out the link in the show notes below, or you can have obviously check out ping pong online on their website. Just go ahead and click in the comments or the show notes below. If you're listening to this on your favorite podcast episode, when we release this in audio format, but this is video and we appreciate you tuning in live. If you have questions, comments, uh, smart aleck remarks, whatever that might be about our topic today, feel free to go ahead and comment and we'll see those live and answer those questions as seen fit. But what we wanted to talk about today, this is the first week, uh, it, believe it or not, uh, for, for all those I was talking with our guests before um, hopping on this, and it was really fascinating. I had this this sneaky suspicion that this around this time every year, it almost feels like if you're in e-commerce, you have that arbitrary how many days till Christmas feeling. It's kind of like bubbling on the inside. So I went and looked, and of course, it was almost right on the money. The intuition feeling never went away. 101 days, depending on where you're listening to this from, 101 days until Christmas Day. That's not to scare anyone. It's just a number. But in fact, it almost encompasses what we're going to be talking about today. And that is building and preparing for the Q4 rush on e-commerce. Everyone will know that there's lots of different pros and cons of what's going on right now in the logistics chain, trying to get inventory. But you have to prepare for maybe not just I would say I would categorize those as categorize those as the top things to worry about and to prep and plan for. Of course, without inventory, you can't sell anything. But the secondary thing I would say, or one uh, A, if you will, would be to build and plan your ad spend strategy online. It's more and more important. Those costs go up. It's important to have these tactics, your strategies, and budgets for spend pacing. In play, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. So, of course, I want to bring back one of our friends of Crossover Commerce, friend of the show, who is back on episode eighty-nine. I want to say um, of the show. So we've had a couple of months, and he's also fresh off of vacation. So we're going to get his brain kickstarted, if you will, uh, back from straight from vacation, um, and talk here to talk about your planning strategy and what it takes to get these next one hundred and one or so days in line. We're going to be talking about ad strategies on Amazon. Of course, I'm talking about Brent Zarnick of AMZ Pathfinder. Brent, welcome back to Crossover Commerce. Hello, hello. Nice to be back. And uh, yeah, right this, is, this is such a, um, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, hello. Nice to be back. This is such a, um, a nice kind of fun welcome back from a little holiday, like I mentioned uh, to you earlier in our email exchange. Uh, I wish all the stuff I was set to do this week is this fun and entertaining, but um <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of emails sitting in an inbox somewhere for me that I have to uh, deal with first. <laughs> I was going to say, don't open your laptops until tomorrow. This is the last day, but I appreciate you hopping yeah. on and finding time, uh, technically still on vacation or your last day on vacation. So uh, first off, where'd you go and was it relaxing and enjoyable? Uh, well, my father, so I live here in France and my father was actually visiting for about uh, two weeks. He's still here, actually, but he leaves in a couple of days. But the highlight of the trip was us going to the Pyrenees, like the mountains between uh, Spain and France. And we did a gravel cycling event there. So we spent three days riding up some like obscenely big uh, mountains. Uh, so relaxing. No. Uh, refreshing. Yes. Good time with my dad. Who I haven't seen much in the last two years. Thanks to COVID. Yes. Of course. Uh, so it definitely checked a lot of the boxes that I was looking for. Yeah. But relaxing wasn't, I think I'm still recovering physically. <laughs> so, well, the Pyrenees famous for obviously tour de France, which I believe it or sure. not, this is the first year I almost, i watched almost every single day. It was that enthralling. And, uh, it really maybe it's a set. I was gonna say it's a great race this year, but it's always uh, fascinating to, to see the landscape. I mean, like I say the landscape, the, the countryside, the mountains and everything, everything, a beautiful country like France has, um, which I know you're, you're lucky to have. So super uh, involved in biking, I'm assuming since you, that's what you guys decided to do, right? 
Yeah, yeah, this was, uh, I mean, I grew up cycling. My dad worked for Bicycling Magazine for many years. And so it's a big, yeah, big part of my really? life. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bicycling Magazine. I've never, I, I never, that's a publication. I'm not a subscriber on, but that's really fascinating. So you'd rather be on, uh, I know this is a little random, but would you be mountain biking or would you rather be road racing or road biking? If I had to pick between those two, road for sure. Uh, but, you know, okay. there's a new category of cycling called like gravel riding, which is kind of between the two. And that was what this event was. So it was a lot of road, but I had uh, really thick, uh, like knobby tires on my, what looks like a road bike. So it's kind of like uh, between the two. So a lot of dirt, a lot of gravel, a lot of mud, but then we're on the road as well. So it's kind of, uh, and going at, you know, fairly high speeds, especially when descending down uh, Tourmalay. So <laughs> it was, it was intense. I was going to say, yeah, I'm, for the mountains, like that scares me just driving, but on a bike, I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. Uh, it being, but, 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 but like the ups and downs, like, this is a nice transition. I'm going to try this, like the ups and downs <laughs> of the Pyrenees. Uh, so goes the ups and downs of Amazon sales. And we don't want those valleys. We want those peaks and we want them to stay high. Right. Uh, so Q4, like I alluded to in our introduction, hundred Q4 is a lot closer, but technically Christmas day, less than a hundred, 101 days away. Um, so that, that gets a lot of people in panic mode there. This is the countdown. We start pushing this out farther and farther every year. I think this year is going to be even more exacerbated in my mind. I think you're going to see people uh, shopping earlier than ever just because the supply chain is so backed up. You want to be able to get inventory and just goods in general at a quicker speed. Costs are going to continue to skyrocket. So a lot of people are trying to yeah. do this earlier. So Brent, Seems like that's this unfortunately is what, the case yeah, with, with shipping right. containers, especially. Yeah. I mean, we hear this from all of our clients. Um, right. Like, except those that source domestically, whatever country they're selling. Like, we have a couple, you know, American businesses that are made in America, a couple in the UK that are made in the UK, some that are European that are made in, you know, other parts of Europe. So they're not contending with some of that. Uh, however, that's a reality for many of our other clients. So yeah, we hear about that nonstop. Of course. So with that means that, like I mentioned before, that's kind of the most important cornerstone, the 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 keystone, if you will, of your business. You have to have that in place. I know lots of people are just waiting. I think the statistic is on average their their inventory geez it's it's sitting on the water once it even arrives in port technically it's sitting there for a week or two on average mm-hmm. and that's about on average what it takes to get across uh, the ocean depending on again where you're shipping and sourcing from so that being said that's kind of the tricky part about planning and forecasting and we wanted to talk about taking that into account what, what really are the biggest things that, is there, is there much that we're going to have to really worry about this year in terms of our Q4 planning with that being in mind, or is it kind of business as usual, still strategies are in play. You have to, the more spend, you're going to be looking at different tactics um, to kind of stand out and bidding on those keywords. What are the major things that are kind of either giving you heartburn right now or things that (laughs) our listeners need to really truly focus on um, coming into the next hundred or so days? Well, I mean, the, the first step that's a prerequisite for any uh, campaign that we're going to set up or run or any of our uh, our clients are going to talk to us about setting up and running would be having in, sufficient inventory and having a good product with good reviews, right? Those things are as a prerequisite. And, you know, that kind of goes without saying almost, but that has been an issue for a lot of our clients, even those that we consider to be very successful long-term uh, businesses with like steady sales, especially in the last couple of years, especially last year. Uh, many clients, and I've heard this from other agency owners, are down year over year in terms of revenue, but that's just kind of a given because I think last year's COVID explosion with e-commerce was totally unprecedented and no one had foreseen that in 2019. A lot of people were caught flat-footed. A lot of businesses weren't ready for that. Some of them were and benefited tremendously. And a lot of businesses that we work with did a lot of expansion on the back of that. And then they've had to walk some of that back. Uh, because some of those products didn't work out as well as they thought, or the demand wasn't as strong as it was during COVID times uh, when things were like really intense with e-commerce. I think a lot of people are returning to physical stores. I'm really curious to see what the breakdown is going to be this year with foot traffic, um, you know, starting in those run-ups to uh, Christmas. Because like you said, Christmas is 101 days, but uh, like I, like I kind of counter counter proposed to you, yeah. But if you're buying stuff 101 days from now, it's already too late. <laughs> you want to be in Black Friday or the two weeks before. You don't want to you don't want an upset girlfriend or boyfriend or uh, you know uh, kids or whatever <laughs> when it comes to that. Exactly. Well, for those last minute shoppers, yeah, you, this is your triple digit warning, and it's actually a lot shorter because 
uh, the, the ads are even starting nowadays. I, I think it's super fascinating. Uh, again, we're kind of alluding to the logistics and supply chain more so, but um, they alluded to, I mean, I think it was an IBM or more like logistics and more like tech focused. It's one of those, hey, you see a trendy product, kid wants it. You're trying literally forever in various different ways to buy it. You see there it's literally off the shelf in a retail store. You're looking online, refreshing constantly. I know I was doing that in certain products last year, um, but last year was a different, really weird caveat. Like I said, like 2020 was this weird, it, it in, inflated a lot, but then kind of this year is kind of resettled. You saw yeah. not as much growth. You saw it actually resettle down to traditional numbers. But I see a lot of people who are almost like upset, like they knew that it was inflated and then it came down, obviously. Is that, is that pretty consistent with your clientele? Is it, yeah, isn't that hey, those expectations? Yeah. Like, right. they're like, oh yeah, like these aren't real numbers. understand that this is a temporary condition and it's probably unlikely to repeat itself the same time next year. You know, year over year, your numbers for middle of September are not going to look the same as they were during, during that COVID period. And yet still people are disappointed. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because like you have their their logical brain and then their their irrational side where it's like, man, but still I wish it was like it was last year. It's like in, in some cases, you know, on the advertising side, we can't get the same results we did last year because just demand was so much stronger. And that's kind of one thing I can talk about a little bit with the budgeting because the amount you spend is entirely based on demand. Uh, you know, you're mm -hmm. not going to be able to get the clicks and spend the money if the demand isn't present. And, you know, September and August are, are generally speaking like slower-ish months because things really start to heat up in quarter four. Um, and of course, depending on the product line and, and everything like that. But I know for a lot of our clients, we found uh, spend is lower in August. And uh, despite it being a long month, you know, 31 days. Mm -hmm. so. so with that being said, so we're going in September, like right now we're, uh, this is live in September, midway through September. Um, Right now, strategies are what you're, you're planning for Q4 strategies, pacing, budgets are confirming. What are the must do right now for September going into the, the next two weeks, essentially, because Q4 starts in two weeks. Like what are, what are those things that we're conditioning uh, sellers for? What do we need to, to be doing uh, to mm -hmm. prep for Q4 right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think the first thing would be to look at last year's data, right? So what happened last year? Now we just spent five minutes talking about how different COVID made everything. Um, and I think one trend that we have seen and have confirmed this with other agency owners or people who work at aggregators who have managed a lot of spend is that CPCs actually are up year over year. I'm someone who in the past has really kind of I'd say like poo-pooed this idea because people are always like, Amazon's getting more expensive. Amazon's getting more expensive. I've been hearing that since 2016. And that's actually like had not been really true for many years because that was a feature of or a function of the time of year and whatever product category that person was in. And they'd say, oh, it's getting more expensive. But if you looked at the data in aggregate for a given category or set of clients, it actually wasn't. It was a roller coaster, right? It depended on time of year. And maybe there was some months year over year that were more costly. But now we've consistently seen, I think it's uh, like three quarters in a row that Amazon is actually getting more expensive now, especially if we're talking about, you know, the main ad type that people think about when they think about Amazon PPC, which is sponsored products, right? Which is what a lot of these new budget features I wanted to, you know, chat a little bit about are really for, they're for sponsored products. They don't exist yet for sponsored brands or sponsored display, which from my own anecdotal uh, data we have from our client base, you know, make up maybe 20% and 10% respectively uh, of, of accounts uh, spend, depending on the account's needs and, and the client's kind of interests and being found different places in the ecosystem. But still that means that sponsored products is anywhere from like 65 to 75% of spend in account. So it's still the majority, it's still the monster, right? And that's why these budget right. features are important for that particular campaign type. Absolutely. And like, since we last talked, obviously there was a prime day and I saw some numbers like which outspends for just one, I mean, technically two days, but uh, two days was astronomical depending on the category type really depends obviously with the need, the volume, um, the, the supply and demand. Again, that's the economics 101. What's supply and demand? The more supply, uh, the or the more demand, um, the more costly it's going to be. So that being said, going into this year, has there been anything surprising in terms of like category wise, or has there been is it all pretty much holding traditional in terms of you know you're going to play out the nose for 
uh, supplements in those high involved categories, but is it just because lots more people are investing money into PPC that it's becoming overall more expensive or is there any kind of like insight that you're seeing there? Yeah, I think it's actually several things. Um, the first one is some of these categories are definitely just becoming increasingly expensive. And even if the math doesn't make sense, like let's say you're selling a supplement for $18 US and the cost per click is five, even if your conversion rate is like really strong, um, I don't know, let's say 30%, um, the, ma the math on that like probably doesn't make sense like at scale. Uh, you would be spending money there just to break even uh, or even lose a little bit of money just so you could be in the top, uh, you know, sponsored products slots. The way to play that game in 2021, in my opinion, is not to force the issue. You can bid at levels that make sense for you. So it's what uh, people will call like value-based bidding. You know, maybe it's not worth $5. Maybe it's worth two and a half. And at that CPC level with that same conversion rate, even if you're not the top ad, you can still make money on advertising if that's your, if that's your, you know, kind of stated purpose of that campaign or that particular product at that time. Um, I would say in 2018, you used to be able to just throw a bunch of money at a given keyword on Amazon, like spend a crap ton of money against something. And even if the conversion rate wasn't great, well, you got lots of clicks, you got lots of impressions and you had lots of people visit the page and everyone, you know, doing that was helping Amazon, um, uh, algorithm basically say, okay, this is relevant for this keyword and let's get it to the top. But now I think Amazon's way more focused on conversions and, uh, add to carts and actual purchases than they are just how amount of money you spend. Um, because I see all the time, these brands that appear spend, you know, some probably tremendous amount of money, you know, tens of thousands of dollars in the course of a month or several weeks on these big terms, which usually are quite broad terms too. You know, they're not right. really like, uh, long tail terms that are super specific and they get a conversion rate on that. That's like, you know, maybe okay, but they're just burning cash and that's not the, really the way to do it in 2021 anymore. Um, I think the way to do it now is to focus on the creative assets you can add to sponsored brands and sponsored display, uh, video, uh, going through other companies like, um, there's a company called seller rocket, um, that I've been talking to recently and we've referred some clients to them and they do like these editorial placements on Amazon. Yep, affiliate of editorial. Yep. Yeah. This, this stuff is all like, th this is all, this is 2021. This is like the way to play the game these days. Uh, that tactic of just saying, all right, here's this one keyword. Let's spend $10,000 on it this month. Um, that that's not the way to do it anymore. I recently audited an account that had done that and God, the ACOS was like 180% and they spent $33,000 on one keyword of the course of two months. And, uh, yeah, it, and it didn't work out for them basically. Like it did not have the intended, um, effect, even though the product itself was very strong, had tons of reviews, great price point, like has a, has a name that's pretty well known in the space. Uh, and they were just trying to get it to like re-rank for this one thing, but no, it didn't work. <laughs> so there's other ways to, to do that, uh, these days. Well, I was going to say for like just a, a month or two, that, that sounds like that's something that I, there's nothing of a forecast that you can really predict. Like how much am I actually going to spend through it? You can always do an arbitrary. What did I spend last year? Maybe give a, a percentage increase of that. But that, that might completely get blown out in a month and you're a month short. Or again, with this other caveat of I might run out of inventory and yeah. like, I mean, that that's a whole problem in itself. So that being said, if people want to pace themselves, like I, I know you said spend pacing. I don't think I've ever heard that phrase being used in terms of a uh, predictive an analysis. Is there like an algorithm or is there like a, a tactic that people should be using in order to make sure they don't a run out of money and B uh, they, they diversify it so they can get all their spend in and they can and sell as much as they want to. Slash sure. need to. Yeah. I think that we've seen an increasing demand for sophistication of budgetary allocation from our clients this year. And I think part of the reason for that is because there's been a steady increase in budget related features that are showing up in the advertising console and through the API. And I can talk about some of those specifically, but I would encourage I'm speaking, you know, to, to you as the listener, as like, as the Amazon business owner, the seller, talk to your internal person, talk to your agency, talk to your, you know, marketing, uh, you know, friend who does it at the, for, for you at the business, whoever manages your ads and have a conversation with them about 
okay, what's our monthly budget? And then how do we break that down into individual product lines or product families? And then start to get even more granular. What kind of campaigns are we going to use between those product families? Just keep drilling down into it. It doesn't mean you have to stick exactly to this plan, but it could be really um, a good idea to say, okay, we're going to spend 40,000 this month, you know, 4,000 USD. And of that 7,000 is going to go to our top seller that has three variations. And we know that the black one sells the best um, and the red and the yellow are, are pretty good. We'll, you know, we'll put keywords for those two. But of that, let's say 70% of that is sponsored product spend and 20% is sponsored brands, 10% is sponsored display. Let's make sure we have some video in there. Let's allocate a little bit of money for that. And then you can start to back out individual budgets uh, at the portfolio level or at the uh, campaign level from there. Um, and Amazon is adding new features that make some of that stuff easier, actually. Uh, so you know, we're really thankful <laughs> that they're doing this. Um, and everyone's getting access to these things. It's not, it's not just us at the agency side. You know, it's, this is stuff that's appearing inside of Advertising Console. And, you know, we log in some mornings, we're like, all right, a new present. You know, it's like Christmas every couple of weeks with Amazon these days with budgets. All right, I think you're muted. There it is. I got notified. I was like, your mic is muted and you're talking, you idiot. Uh, that, that's Again, I do this 153 episodes and I try to move things around and not make noise because it's important to hear what you're saying and I don't want to like have noise in the background. But that being said, I've noticed a lot of new features um, in, the, in the really recent weeks of on the buyer side. The different things that are highlighting actually always goes back to the importance of video ads and whatnot. Um, sponsor display very important. It almost like circles the product of, I've heard this phrase uh, with um, one of the brands we had on here. She said, um, her name is Kara and she, her brand is Snoo Shade. She's over in the United Kingdom. Um, she, back in one of her episodes, she loves it when she can circle keywords with uh, sponsored ads and almost the fact of you can see your organic your, um, your click-through rate and your engagement rate, your sell-through rate actually go up because Sellers, she in her mind are they're not trusting of ads all the time. Like although it be up, she almost wants to circle the the wagon or the keyword, if you will, and yeah. kind of funnel people there for the organic listing. That's what my my wife naturally is the clicker on uh, sponsored ads because they're everywhere. It's almost <laughs> it's almost impossible not to click on the sponsored ad at any given I time. I look at them um, myself if I think it's really relevant. You know, as a shopper on Amazon. Um, but I'm always very conscious, like, okay, if I don't buy, I'm costing this person some money, right? This is the exactly. <laughs> so, which is, which is also something of like, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> exactly. Which is also something I'm like, oh, I clicked on it. Like me conscientiously of that. I'm like, do I want to make my intent to purchase is there and always trying to assist per people. Would they rather have it as a click on a sponsored ad or me to click and find it and organically click on it. So right. uh, at the end of the day, um, but I've noticed uh, new features, like you said, it's, it's the more options um, click down um, on the mobile side. And then also highlighting product video, I think is super interesting going back to video ads, going back to the importance of diversifying and um, being listed on um, brand registry. There's all these kinds of new, cool, unique features that actually make your listing, I think a little bit bigger. Like it kind of stretches your screen a little bit more and makes it stand out. All these different functionalities on top of Hey, we are certified for these. Um, we have this certification. We have all these different things, like all these things that yeah, you can add on top of your footprint. Yeah, and the one that comes to mind for me is the bundles. So there, you have the ability to make bundles, and then those bundles mm -hmm. will show up under your primary photos. And actually, what that does is effectively pushes down some of those sponsored product and sponsored display ad slots further down the the fold, so to speak, further down the page. And we have clients that have a lot of success with bundles because they just bundle products that naturally go together. And what's interesting mm -hmm. about a bundle is you can actually run sponsored brand campaigns direct to a bundle. Um, you can't do that with sponsored products or sponsored display, but you can use brands, the, that campaign type, to run direct to a bundle. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. There are products that are naturally complementing each other. And you mentioned also um, brand analytics. Brand analytics has a cool thing that's like, market basket analysis or something like that. So basically it will combine, um, well, it shows you like what products within your catalog that they have been bought with each other. So that's like, okay, if 10% of people buy these two products together, why don't I make a bundle? I mean, the data is right here, let's give it a shot. Um, and there's another one that shows you products that uh, shoppers have examined 
before buying yours or looking at yours. And so this is the way you can use uh, sponsored display to get on those pages too, by looking at what ASINs or competitors are. A lot of times they're ones that you're probably familiar with already. If you know your space, you know your market on Amazon, but still it's quite it's, helpful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the other thing, um, the other major thing that, I mean, this month for some reason is, is actually been a high buy on Amazon for one reason or another. But at the end of your purchase, there is this call out function of follow brands that you purchase from. It could be it be you, the seller, follow you, the seller or like um, an actual 1P brand. Uh, it could be, for example, I bought a fan because it's hot as I'll get out here. And Indiana doesn't know what season is. It's cold. It's hot. It's all over the place. So I, I got a fan and it says, <laughs> exactly. I mean, just here in the Midwest, it's, it, it's, it's nauseating at times. Like this is, this is seasons for you. If you love seasons, come here and you're going to get them all hundred times a year. Um, but that being said, <laughs> the brands itself that are, uh, you're calling out like are Honeywell, but also if you have uh brand registered products, they will ask you say, hey, would you fo follow these products for new and upcoming product releases? Also super fascinating to know that you can run obviously campaigns to those people who uh, post things like that. What's kind of your take on Amazon funneling and making this really actually belligerent call out to follow brands, not products. Don't just come here for products. Get involved yeah. with the brand itself. This is from not that you can click follow from the um, store page, right? The Amazon store page, but you're saying it's prompting mm -hmm. you when you do checkout. I'm actually not super familiar with that. Yep. Uh, even even as an Amazon yep. shopper, I bought something just last week, uh, but I don't think I, don't yep. think I saw it. I think that. it was, a mo it might've been mobile only, but um, if uh, I can find an image, I will, I will put it up for all of our uh, viewers, but then listeners, um, if you're curious, I think I've made a post about this on LinkedIn a couple, uh, actually a couple of days ago. So um, what, what it is, is um, specifically highlighting, yeah, one right after purchase, it is, oh, it's right here. It was, it was very recently, so it shouldn't be that far down. When it comes um, to shopping, it's a follow function, yeah, when you go to the page itself. So for the listener, if you're going to a brand page, so if, you, if you're shopping on Amazon, you find a product page, bought and sold by it, or um, buy this product underneath the title of the product page. Uh, title page or a title of the product itself. Um, you can click on that brand. And when you go to the brand, you can filter by products or sort, you know, whatever they themselves are putting on there about the product, a company, about sellers, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But there is a actual functionality where you can follow them for new product releases. You get prompted by either push notification, I believe um, on mobile, or you can actually get emailed of new products. The brand itself has those analytics and actually creates this, I think, unique, um, opt in to a brand of, Hey, I like this product or I want to know about new features that are coming out. Almost like a, when's the new Apple iPhone coming out? People want to get notified of all those new releases. But in theory, um, this in itself is again, so many pictures for some reason. Oh, right, here we go. All right. So for let me post it up to the camera real quick and see if my screen can do it. So when I order this brand for the follow the brands from your purchase, or it'll be, <laughs> Uh, a, a brand that actually is its own 3P brand and then Coway, which are uh, filters. Again, these are products that are, uh, let me re refocus in there. So for the brand itself, obviously there's lots of different uh, calls to that. So I think it's very fascinating that at the very end, when you make that purchase, like, thank you for your confirmation. It says now follow the brands you uh, from your purchase. I think that's a super interesting call out that you can start to now engage with that brand. And it's really highlighting that fact. Is that going to maybe push its way down to any sort of ad products or any sort of campaign features that you can. Well, I know um, you can send out these emails to uh, those that follow your brand. Right. And so you can send right. an email that, that is actually from Amazon, but it's through the follow feature. Right. So they still kind of own the customer and they have that following relationship because they're mm -hmm. following you on their platform, but you can say, uh, here's a new product we launched. And technically I think the window for that is like 90 days. So if you launched a product anytime in the past like three months, you could be like, it's new, look, <laughs> even if it didn't come out like today. Um, so I know that clients have taken advantage of that like straight away. We have people who, who you know, we, we just said, hey, try this out. You know, not something we managed from the ad side, honestly, but interesting. I don't know if they had super- Well, in that, in that but... yeah, I was gonna say, in that, in that grain, if you will, I think the way people are getting smarter, more innovative, 
have you seen people run campaigns in terms of a following on Amazon campaign, or is it all strictly going to products um, instead of to the product, uh, you know, storefront, if you will? No, the brand we, we haven't done any of that. That's a, that's an interesting idea, but there's no facility that I'm aware of to prompt a shopper to take that action directly. Because I guess if they're checking out and like you just showed on screen on mobile, they'll get it. Um, I was going to say earlier, I'm like an old man when it comes to e-commerce. I just buy stuff like on my computer. I don't like the mobile experience as much, but I think that I'm in an increasing minority there. So I wasn't showing that same screen with the follow opportunity. Maybe it's because the brands I was purchasing from simply don't have that set up right. too. That could also be the case, but yeah. <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting. I did I three. I did find a three-piece seller. They were selling, um, you know, Eric filters. Like that's something that is just... Again, the mobile experience for me, and I know a lot of people are just using it more is, hey, we need to get this product. And I'm like, oops, scan product, uh, whatever I have. Like if mm -hmm. I ran out of the things, scan the barcode, pull it up on Amazon and boom, purchase. Or almost a subscribe and save again. Functionalities are, there's all these different black holes we can go down to. So, uh, <laughs> but with that, there, there, there was another, um, we're talking about ads too. Um, and the big no-no was always, or the big um, faux pas, if you will. I saw something come come in from a mutual friend, I believe, of ours is uh, Leron Hirschcomb mm -hmm. of Incrementum Digital. So he had yeah, posted something very fast. He's really yeah, sad, yeah, he 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 posted um, most recently an insert. I thought it was very fascinating. It was a hey, instead of a rate us on Amazon to get gift card X Y Z, post a video of yourself using um, product X Y Z and use hashtag this. On TikTok, if you have over this many views on TikTok, email us with that video, the link to it, and your order number, and we'll send you five hundred dollar gift card. Wow. I my mind was my mind was blown. Doesn't doesn't go against TOS in any way, shape, or form. In what I believe, you're not rating Amazon on Amazon. You're not actually calling out your product at all to do anything on Amazon. You're saying, hey, post this on TikTok. Use this hashtag. Use the product yeah. itself. And then if it gets over this many views, you got yourself some money. So you literally are creating micro influencers or you're actually banking on the fact of people seeing your products, which more and more traffic is being driven to your product right. listing. If it's using it and you have your order number, they verify it's you. It's the same concept. You're just driving people in a different way to get to Amazon. And you're kind of wide that. net too. So instead of having to go out and like search for specific influencers, they're kind of coming to you if they're, you know, I guess savvy enough to read the insert because I'm sure some people don't read the insert and that might be a shame, but <laughs> those that do. I'm always reading the insert because I'm fascinating how people want to call it out. Uh, yeah, I do, th I do that too. Yeah, I think being in the industry, we just have a nature of doing it. Even in France, there's a lot of 3P sellers that I order from. Uh, like actually, I ordered this. This is very specific, but I ordered this kind of cinnamon. It's like high-end cinnamon. And they have a mm -hmm. cool insert in there and they like tell the story of how it came to be and like where it's sourced from and like a story about the brand. And they're like, check out our social media. It's just, it's just well done. Like uh, it's just cinnamon. Right. But uh, I right. use cooking a lot and things like that. So. I think another one I always uh, highlight is when you purchase through our brand, like specifically our storefront, we always make a donation uh, to our local YMCA or local boys and girls mm -hmm. club. Um, it's almost like the, uh, the Bombas mentality or the Toms of you buy one, we donate one mentality of, right. hey, you know, for a fact that some person in need is going to be getting a goods in this regard. Always like that. It kind of tugs at your heartstrings. But I like the social media um, tax. With that being said, are you guys in your agency? I know it's a lot of Amazon's uh, based strategies. Is there something we're testing this year? Um, maybe testing ads on social media to drive traffic to Amazon more of maybe TikTok or maybe Instagram or I know Facebook has kind of like pissed a lot of people off in terms of, <laughs> you know, how often and how much you can send traffic to Amazon. Is there any other I mean, tactic? I personally that think that the best move is using Google ads to send to an Amazon store page, a storefront, you know, cause that, that mm -hmm. provides a very soft landing, landing bounce, if you, if you will. So you're not sending them direct to a product page. Uh, you're sending them to a place where you have total control over kind of what is seen on there. So if you have really good branding and videos and copy and nice navigation on that page, you can send them to the specific subcategories there. Um, and it also doesn't impact your conversion rate on your actual product page, right? So if they do want to buy, they can even in some cases click buy now from that page. They don't have to visit the product page. And if they're really interested, they'll go to the product page and you know maybe they have a higher chance of converting 
since they've already been kind of through the through your gauntlet of uh, you know here's our here's our video here's our brand identity here's our logo uh, here's the stuff that what, they what's getting what's getting the conversion sorry Brent what what's getting the conversion on that is it the ad itself or is it going to be you're directing them to the page but then they themselves navigate to a random product are you still giving attribution to that that ad itself is Amazon counting that. Yeah, I, I think that's still the big missing link <laughs> because uh, Amazon and Google are not playing nice together. So it, it, you can't like put in a code like you would on your own website and have the um, traffic go from Google search direct through and then be attributed correctly. Um, I know Amazon attribution, I think they're now rolling it into advertising console because uh, it's been out in the cold and some like weird beta, beta land for a long time. But as I understand it, they're actually limiting some of the features. I don't think that they have any intention of making their Amazon attribution work with um, uh, Google's, uh, you know, Google Google Ads, basically. So right, no URL. I'm speaking from uh, this from yeah, an experience of just having done it a couple times. We don't really offer this as a service at Pathfinder because, yet again, it's like a black box when it comes to attribution. We're really focused on the Amazon internal stuff still, and probably always will be. Quite honestly, we, we like to stick with that. In fact, I want to talk about some of the some of the budget stuff. If I could highlight some of these things, let's do it. Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say let's get back to our original topic. I know we kind of, <laughs> I, I I drew us off base. Uh, lots of different features and functionality that kind of allude to conversion. But let's go back to our initial points. Uh, go ahead and kick us off for sure. Yeah, sure. So there's like three things I have written down here that I wanted to talk about, um, and, and these are all like these new features that have come out. So the first one is this budgets tab. So if you're inside of Advertising Console you'll notice, uh, and this is a bit hard to do without uh, a visual, but if you log in, you'll see a thing called budgets up in the top left, and it says beta next to it with a gray box. Um, and this is basically a new way to look at your campaigns. And it's only sponsored products campaigns for now. Um, but the idea here is there's a couple of new columns of data that it gives you. The most useful one, in my opinion, is average time in budget. So you can actually sort and filter by average time in budget. So you can say, um, here's the date range I'm going to set. It's the last three days. Uh, let's say September 13th, 14th, uh, or I guess 12th, 13th, 14th. We don't want to include mm -hmm. today for obvious reasons. Um, and then we can say, what campaigns have been in budget less than 50%? And by doing that filter, you'll see, oh, here are all the sponsored product campaigns that actually have spent a very low amount of time in budget, actively spending, actively working. Previously, we've had to rely on just being inside of the advertising console and seeing when campaigns went out of budget. Um, Amazon did add a filter for that like some time ago, but there's always a bit of a delay anyway. So this gives you like more of a zoom out helicopter view on that. And so if you know that, you can start to make changes based on it. Um, now, ideally, you want campaigns to be like running and active and in budget. There are times when... Uh, you don't want to campaign in budget all the time. Like maybe it's an auto campaign and it's just there to serve one particular purpose and it's supposed to run out of budget. But if you notice in there, your high budget, really important campaigns for priority keywords or targets or competitors or protecting your brand, whatever, um, this new column gives you a really good piece of information that's very, very actionable. That's cool. I, I think that's really neat. I mean, obviously there's lots of takeaways too, of like tweaking and a little more insight and granular and data is never a bad thing to have, right? So yeah. uh, the fact that Amazon's giving you that kind of those things to kind of weaponize, like optimize, I would say weapon, weaponize would be a stronger word, uh, but optimize those those campaigns, if you will, and tweaking it so that you are getting to, you know, max, maximizing every campaign that you can possibly. So very cool. Is there is like a case study or a takeaway that you've seen by using that you've been able to make lift uh, anywhere, shape or form or... Um, yeah, you? it's led us to do two things. So let's say that a campaign is a priority campaign and we see that its average time um, in budget is like low. So a lower percentage would mean, you know, it's not spending in a lot of the hours when you probably want it to. Uh, in that scenario, you would want to go into the campaign and first of all, examine what is the purpose of it, right? Are these keywords, are they being overbid? Are we like bidding $7 and we shouldn't be? And that's why it's burning through the budget. Or actually, are we bidding like on track and like the metrics are looking good? we want this campaign to be in budget 100% of the time. Well, if that's the case, then we probably need to increase the campaign's daily allocation. Um, mm -hmm. And if we're working at it at a portfolio level, make sure that the portfolio um, amount through the month or through the time frame it's allocated is also lined up properly. So when you're doing budget stuff, always work from the smallest thing up. 
And when you're allocating budget, always kind of work from the top down. Um, because you want to investigate, first of all, is there a keyword that's spending 70% of this budget and is burning through it? Well, that's an easy fix. You start there and work your way up. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing it's caused us to do is realize that, hey, some of these campaigns aren't spending all the time. We actually don't need them to. It, it's fine. It's fine because this is not a campaign. It has a $15 budget per day. The whole point of it is to just run uh, like a little bit. It's not supposed to burn through all the cash and that's fine. I, I think that the cynical take on this would be that Amazon, and I don't necessarily disagree with this, by the way, I'm just saying like, it is a cynical take. I'm trying to hold these two things in my mind simultaneously, is that Amazon is doing this to just encourage us to spend more money, right? They're trying to show you the opportunities that you've missed. Along with this um, active time and budget, there's other columns that are like missed clicks, uh, you know, missed impressions, clicks, and then the big one, sales, missed sales. And so a lot of sellers look at that and they like, they shriek and they freak out, right? Because they're like, look at the sales we missed. But of course, this is an estimate. <laughs> this is not factual reality. You can't prove something that didn't even happen. You can't prove a negative. But so Amazon's actually calling out if you would have spent another thousand dollars for this yep. campaign, you would have achieved more sales in XYZ. Exactly. Saying, if you look at these impressions, you could have had. Look at this. If it wasn't budget 100% of the time, is what they're assuming with this calculation. Look at the sales you would have had. Now, if your campaign is 80% ACOS and you're spending it against one keyword in there that's burning through your budget, well, it doesn't matter if you could have had more sales because it would have been not profitable anyway. So this is why you need right. to like step back and look at that first before you like jump in and just start like increasing budgets for campaigns across the board. Um, but it does give us, like you said, more data. Uh, so it's hard to kind of argue with that. Like in general, I'm very, very bullish on this feature. Like it's wonderful. We love it. That's awesome. Is there, is there um, for, for the campaigns you're going to be running, obviously in the next hundred plus days or so, um, is there, or less than a hundred days, is there a percentage amount that you want majority of your campaigns to be doing the amount of sales, like the 80, 20 rule, right? 80% of your business comes from 20% of your campaigns. I wouldn't think that's being applicable to, you don't want that to be applicable to your, your PPC campaigns. Is it, what's kind of the, the rule of thumb in Q4? I, I would say, um, in general, the more budget that a client has to allocate, the more interesting things we can do. Because there is like an order of operations in Amazon advertising. Like we wouldn't start with spending a bunch of money on sponsored display. That wouldn't be the first thing we would do. But if we have matched demand and met the kind of capacity that we think is appropriate for spend and the returns we're getting from it, from some of the more basic campaign types, like we start from the bottom and work our way up, then we're gonna be spending against sponsored display. Um, for, for just for an example, right? So there's a sort of order of operations there. Now, in some accounts, it's true that we'll be spending, um, you know, a lot of money against, let's say, like one or two um, exact match campaigns for uh, like one keyword or a handful of keywords. And if that matches with what the client's objective is, then that's that's fine. But man, there's really no no hard and fast rule. I mean, there's definitely campaigns that punch above their weight. Um, and those would be the ones targeting the big, uh, like, um, I would say longer tail keywords that are like hyper relevant for that product. But you're going to have campaigns that spend a lot less that are targeting really long tail terms. And then those that are um, targeting, like, I would say top of funnel, less relevant terms uh, as well. And you should be spending on like all stages of that funnel. But it's the ones in the middle that are the ones that probably are driving the most in terms of actual sales. Um, and we're starting to get more information. Actually, this is kind of unrelated to budgets, but sponsored display as an ad type is very interesting because it's display. It's not uh, click, right? And the cost model is still uh, cost per click, I think, in many cases for uh, for Amazons. But there is, you know, cost per impression that that does exist in some small capacity. But what's interesting is Amazon is now giving us more information on attribution for views. So the way you'd usually um, measure display advertising is you'd say, how many people viewed this? Doesn't necessarily mean they clicked it. Uh, and if someone viewed it, what kind of credit do we give that ad? You know, maybe someone has saw your uh, supplement like 14 times in sponsored display campaigns, and then they finally went and they bought it, but they never actually clicked any ad. So who gets credit? <laughs> Does the ad get credit? Does the organic get credit? This the, is where uh, it starts to be it's, some, it's the marketer's catch 22, if you will, of who gets credit for which campaign? Because I swear to God, there's this, there's a brand of, obviously I'm in podcasting we do video elements. So there's a brand that come up with like video lights, always view it, 
I clicked on maybe once. And then all of a sudden, now it's everywhere. It's on Facebook. It's on LinkedIn. It's following yeah. me on Google. It's they on Amazon. They got you. And they got me, <laughs> right. They, they, they got the click. Um, so somebody won. And then I went a couple times to, you know, their website. Obviously, then they'll pixel me and follow me around with the specific product I take a look at. And then obviously, like, what, what's your intent? So then they start to feed you, you know, coupons and things like that. So it's just kind of uh, what's going to make you push it over. Is it the retargeting campaign? Is it going to be brand awareness campaign? Is it going to be um, just a pricing, you know, campaign? All, all these different things. So do you, got, do you guys put a little bit more weight on the specific ads, if you will, on in Q4? Or is there, it's just whatever can convert and why it's converting. It, it really, truly doesn't matter. Well, what's interesting about Q4, and this is actually super relevant to the next thing I want to talk about with the budgets, is when True. you're spending, you know, when you're allocating the spend. Because we can look at historical data for our clients in aggregate. We have it, we have it stored. We can look at this. We can say, this day in particular was horrible for conversion rates. It was, you know, uh, 5%, which on Amazon for ads is like not great. Um, and but then this day here across the board for our clients, and then we can break it out by you know different marketplaces like uh, you know Mexico, U.S., whatever. But it was 13%. We would probably rather want to spend more money on the day when it was 13% than the day when it was 5%. So let's just look at last year. Let's drill down to this client. Let's look at information we have in the software um, that we that we use, but also the software that we keep as far as like archiving data. And that is where this next thing comes in, which is the budget rules per campaign. And this is something that's really exciting. So uh, if you go into a sponsored product campaign, yet again, this is just sponsored products, you can augment budgets based on either a schedule or performance metrics. So the one, the way that this first came out, Ryan, it was really exciting, uh, was like just the schedule, super basic. It was like, all right, you can boost your campaigns for Halloween. And Amazon said, here's the suggested dates that we give you for Halloween. And it was like, I don't know, right. five days around the Halloween run up or something like that. The idea being, um, okay, your campaigns that you're specifying, you know, this one you're working in right now, it's going to automatically boost according to this schedule. And so we haven't in the past had the ability to do this, like built into Amazon. There are softwares that do this and we've used those in the past. And, you know, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. <laughs> sometimes you have to go in the, to the campaign console at two in the morning and do it yourself, or you have to get a team member who's in a different time zone to do it. But now we do have a built in like feature for this. So Stands to reason, everybody wins. You know, we allocate more money towards the right campaigns for the right products at the right time. Amazon gets more of our spend, but yet, yet again, we have increased performance and sales during that time period. So they're called budget rules. So you can add these budget rules to sponsored products. And the other way that they've uh, done this recently, which is even more exciting for us because we're on like the nerdy, the nerdy side of the ads is performance based. So you can say, this ACOS, this click-through rate, and I think the last one is like maybe conversion rate, um, is of a certain amount. Like let's say ACOS is sub 25%. Um, if that's the case, I would like uh, this campaign to be boosted. I want to increase the budget. You can do it by percentage, like 25%. Um, so then you have the campaigns that are like, it's kind of a Darwinian process, right? Those that are the good performers, why would you not want to pour more gasoline on those? And then right. conversely, the ones that suck, well, you know, too bad. They're going to be decreased by 30% or whatever. So yet again, this is possible through third-party software. And like we've done that for years, but now it's actually built into the interface and you can go in there and you can see it. And, you know, hopefully it's going to be supported through the ad API if it's not already. Um, and they're going to keep building on this feature. It's really exciting, actually. So this so is when you could use data from last year, or you could say, hey, we know Halloween is big for this particular grouping of products. Let's make sure we have these budget rules in place. And then we don't have to get up at two in the morning and do it ourselves or uh, have our VA uh, from a different time zone do it. Amazon's software is going to do it for us. That's amazing. I mean, those are great functionalities that obviously should have probably existed probably years ago. Um, but hey, they're caught up and, and now people like you and me and everyone out there who is running an agency, running you know multiple brands, this is obviously very clutch. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've always, I've, I've kind of thought about this too. Um, you said using other tools. I'm, I'm a big component of letting other people's data kind of work for you. And so what I mean by that is it's obviously not copying. It's essentially when to start planning. So if we're talking about seasonal products, I think you and maybe everyone else can agree that it's always when people put in, look at retail stores. So I'm going to use retail stores as almost this, uh, th this data analysis 
kind of test area, if you will, of when products might start to be um, good to start adding and maybe advertising and maybe putting more spend into is they on a retail side, like Walmart or Hobby Lobby or anything like that. You see seasonal products come out pretty mm-hmm. darn early, right? You see, mm-hmm. so Halloween probably hit right around Labor Day. Um, so that would be September 6th. So that's two months of time. The That data, they have data that shows that this is the time when people start to actually purchase said products. Now it's going to ramp up cl- uh, quickly, but should that be another resource that's free that people can just go into their local convenience stores or retail box stores or whatnot, see what they're pushing in almost time, go back to their computer, if you will, and time that up with what other data retail stores are doing. Does that make sense? Like they have the data that says this is the time where we should have product on shelf. Mm -hmm. Should Mm -hmm. I reflect my sales and go against retail data that clearly they're bigger and they know what they're doing. They wouldn't just put it on the floor. It wasn't going to move. Mm-hmm. But doesn't does that is that like an easy win? Uh, or well, yeah, an easy the, way reason to find... the reason I'm sitting here and staring into space is because I never thought of it before. It's great. <laughs> so. It came to me too when we were talking. Like I, I I almost think about every time I have this conversation, and my wife's like big and like let's go let's do crafts, let's do um, which is fantastic. And I always go into Hobby Lobby, and I, I think right. I just started seeing Christmas stuff. Like and this is September. Like we saw a Christmas decor come out. Prominently, it's it's all Halloween, but that and that's fall Halloween, but that hit in end of July, early September. Like uh, that seems it, very early. I mean, look at that. It seems very early, but this this is kind of where it, I guess this supports my theory of I think I think this is the year where you're going to see a lot earlier peak or a lot earlier peaks in the sales to start even earlier for seasonal products specifically. Mm-hmm. But just the intent to buy for Christmas, holidays, anything like that, it's going to be way pushed out earlier. I, I think I, that, that's kind of my theory. That's my Q4 bold prediction, if you will. Of you're going to see this more major bell curve, not peaks and valleys like we always see. Like um, I, I think it's going to be pretty consistent across the board. Not, hopefully not maybe plateau, but Ryan, which is what I mentioned with this um, the the budget budget rules is when Amazon first came out with this feature, they had a, it's called recommended events. They say, Hey, take a look at these events that are coming up. And I think they're probably going to keep that refreshed, but I'm assuming what they have done is said, we know as Amazon, of course they have the best data of anyone about the platform. This is when spend is at, at a high for these, for these time periods. And it's really cool because like they tell you the dates and you can set it right there. So they're giving us that information. Now, Yet again, we can take, let's put our cynical hat on and say, yeah, well, it's Amazon. They're going to say, spend a lot before, during, and after the event, please. Um, but I, I want to believe that uh, they are giving us some, some good guidance there. But I Absolutely. really like your well, idea too. It's super cool. Well, I, I think that's just a free and easy way to start knowing when there, there's data, like, right? They're not just throwing their inventory on the floor. The whole point of retail is put stuff that's going to move in sale. If it's on sale, like right. you go into Best Buy, if it's on sale, it's going to be sitting there on the floor. You're going to see it more prominently displayed. They want to get rid of it so they can make inventory for new stuff. That being said, people are not just going to arbitrarily just start buying random stuff when it's just sitting there. I'm not buying Christmas stuff in March. Like that. That's just not going to happen unless it's yeah. a ridiculous deal. Price takes over and that's a different psychology behind it. But when people start to buy those traditional trends and they're like retail is almost they have the best data too. Like they can see across the board. When do I put it out there? When do I pull out, you know, uh, inventory or for just seasonal products? And what what do I keep consistently out there? So yeah, space and shelf just challenges than we do on the advertising side or Amazon sellers do, right? right? Because I think a lot of our clients would be like, well, why was this product such a success? Like, where did most of the traffic come from? And the answer is like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I, again, well, and, that, and that's the thing is like it, it can be manufactured, which a lot, which you said the cynical side of Amazon manufacturing people to start thinking about this. Like now's the time to start thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Again, it doesn't matter who's telling you this person. If there's someone in their ear that says maybe I should buy my Christmas gifts now, or I should start buying my decor or fall holiday decor now, mm-hmm. I might just buy like I like that. I'm gonna buy it today. Like I'm here. I might as well do that. Same thing with online. If you start getting prompted again, in theory, um, if you're prompting earlier and earlier, your people are going to start to think about and plan for that as the time comes out. No one wants. I always am a, a, a person of oh, that snuck up on me. I need to plan for that next year. 
farther yeah. out. <laughs> and I think everyone wants to do that, but no, you need those prompts to do that. Um, the other the other thing I, want, I know uh, we're kind of butting up on time, Brent. The other quick thing I know we saw that came out uh, September 17th, which today is actually the 15th, if you're watching this, uh, is the deadline for Cyber Week Lightning deals. Um, right. Is there right. any other major component or date that we need to be aware of of hey, this is a lot earlier than expected because I think the other major one was November 3rd for inventory. It needs to be in warehouse before Cyber Week. Um, and then the deadline for holiday coupons was November 29th, which is still a little bit out, but so, I have some uh, takes yeah, on that. Well, I'll say, one, I'll say one thing that's budget related, and this goes back to that um, budget rule that I mentioned. And yet again, uh, was available through software, but now this is the time for uh, for you as a seller or you, know, you as a person who does PPC on Amazon to say, well, if we know that this day is a day when we have a um, lightning deal or a coupon or some other kind of deal, whatever it is, deal of the day, there's many kinds of deals now. I can barely keep them all straight. Um, that would be the time to make sure that you are maximizing your spend and exposure for that deal uh, during that time period. So you'd be able to set a rule for a specific time period. Let's increase budget by 300%. You know, that, that's pretty wild, right? But you could do that. And one thing I'll mention that a lot of the listeners or viewers, you know, might not realize is that uh, when you do have a deal of the day or a lightning deal or whatever, your uh, auto campaigns get different placements that they don't have when you don't have that going on. So you should be running actively auto campaigns during that time period. If you're if you've ever seen like today's deal placement as like a target in your in your targeting report or your uh, search term report for uh, Amazon's ads, that's what that is. You're basically getting a crap ton of exposure. Uh, for that particular ad campaign. So you'll see that has sometimes like tens of thousands of impressions, but it's really over the course of like, I don't know, two days or like four and a half hours or whatever lightning deal is or daily deal is these days. Um, right. So you want to make sure that you have budget allocated for those. And then yet again, you must work your way up. Make sure that the portfolio level budget, if you have one, is set appropriately. And then your account level budget cap is also set appropriately. Because it's possible you could say, hey, $300 to this campaign, and then, well, that's good. It spends on that, but then that uh, same set of campaigns gets capped by the overall account cap or the portfolio level cap. And then you've just shot yourself in the foot with that. So you must work up from the bottom um, in order to make sure that that's all kind of stacked properly. Absolutely. You want to secure your your foundation, if you will, and then let the, let the other stuff kind of uh, be on top of that without a strong base. You're not yeah. going to, you know, I can have a great campaigns, but that being said, I know it took uh, that hour already. <laughs> we can go off on all these offshoots, of course, <laughs> but we do here on all these uh, on this channel, but like for you and the team, what, what, what's kind of the, that last part of the year focus going into 2022? Are we traveling? Are we going to events? Are we going to be speaking or anything? Or are we just kind of hunkered down? This is our, this is the go time of the year. So it's going to be optimizing. It's going to be prepping and planning budgets and, well, um, we have every year uh, the same kind of thing instituted. We have a holiday blackout for uh, certain times of year, running up to Cyber Week and like even parts of the Halloween, depending on what, our, what clients we have, um, and uh, Christmas for sure. So people aren't are taking holidays then on the team. Um, I will be traveling for a conference. I'm actually going to be in the UK in a couple of weeks for seller sessions. Uh, Danny McMahon, oh, yeah. you probably know. I'm going to be there for that. We'll be on the podcast team. next week. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I was just with him the, the, like a last week in a, in a different country for, for another reason. But uh, yeah, definitely excited to be in the UK for the first time in a while. And that, that community of sellers in the UK is just so great. We have so many good clients in the UK we just love to interact with and work with. I've had a very pleasant time with, with them over the years. And uh, yeah. yeah, not too many other events. But yeah, I, from November, December, man, I, I got almost nothing on the calendar. Those are two very, very, very important months. October, I will be traveling, like I said, to the UK, and I'm actually going to be doing our team meetup. We're going to do a team meetup in Spain for a lot of the European and, and North and Central American um, people on the team because we're remote. We'll be flying everybody in. You know, fingers crossed with COVID restrictions, man. We'll see how it goes, but we've been planning this one for a while. So that's the other big thing that's happening. Awesome. Well, of course, like, Fantastic. And they can reach out to you, obviously, on amzpathfinder.com, yep. I believe, is the is the website. And then connect with you on LinkedIn. We have that in your title. Um, fun fact, we are also, we will you will see the ping pong logo on your lanyard when you're at Solar Session. So fun little tidbit. We are sponsoring the lanyards this year. Won't be there in person uh, due to uh, some restrictions over here, but just timing-wise. But 
uh, that, that's one one event I always tell people go to Seller Sessions live if you can. Uh, it's in London. London is very close and dear, near dear to my heart. It's my third favorite city in Europe that I've been to. So it makes the top ten if you, if I if I had to do a top ten. So it grows um, on you. Yeah. The first time I was there, I didn't like it. Now this will be like my seventh or eighth visit, and I just absolutely love going. So something about it. Lots yeah. Of, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, this way I get for studying abroad in England is everything in England grows on you in a good way. I love the people of England. I have a lot of great connections over there. Can't wait to get back there in person, whenever that might be. Uh, but yeah, Seller Session Live, if you haven't had a chance, it's already sold out. Like I can't even pitch it because it's already sold out. No <laughs> tickets left. So That's right. uh, I, told I, I told Danny, I was like, I'll pitch it if it's if it's available. He goes, it's already sold out. Don't worry. So um, but yeah, great event. I'm excited that you'll be there. So um yeah safe travels for you and the team and i know you said it's hunker down season but thanks for sharing uh the tips that you could today uh brent um for strategies and ppc and we'll catch you again next time sure it's been a real pleasure nice talking to you as always awesome as always uh thank you so much again brent of amc pathfinder again if you have questions or comments about anything we talked about today you can reach out to brent and his team either amzpathfinder.com or you can connect with brent on linkedin best way to do it or facebook um, however, you can just Google his name and I'm sure it'll pop up, but we have the links to connect with them in the comments and the show notes as always. I'm Ryan Kramer. This is episode 155 or 155, 153, 155 happens in a couple of days, but, uh, this is episode 153. We talked about Amazon ad strategies again. It's coming. Q4 is almost here. Hopefully you have the strategies and the budgets in place. If not, you need to start thinking about that today, um, so that you have a profitable, uh, Q4 and making sure that again, the spending is not out of, out of control. We talked about lots of great tips and tricks and obviously enhancements that Amazon has made for sellers um, moving forward. That being said, thanks for tuning in to Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next episode when we go live on social media. And then this will be also available on your favorite podcast destination. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I'm Ryan Kramer. Stay uh, tuned for next episode in the future. Take care.